Today, we will be presenting Pastor Merritt's Old Testament Overview Lesson 7. But before we begin, as is our custom, let us remember 1 John 1.9 is may or may not be necessary for rebound. Lesson 7. Point 1. Earlier, I completed an analysis of Genesis 3, verses 1 through 20, where we reviewed the creation of Adam and Eve and their fall. Point 2. We noted how creation was solely an act of God. Man was designed to be the recipient of God's unlimited favor-grace. Point 3. As man could do nothing in creation, man could do nothing for salvation. By non-meritorious faith, we recognize we cannot earn or deserve God's grace. Point four. Ever since the seventh day of the restoration, God has been offering mankind a rest, a Sabbath. 4.1. The Sabbath of God is the protocol plan for mankind. Man continually resists resting in his Sabbath. Point five. The next mention of the Sabbath in the Old Testament occurs in connection with the divine emancipation of Israel from slavery in Egypt and the preparation of the manna. Exodus 16.23 And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said, Tomorrow is the rest of the Holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will bake today, and seethe that ye will seethe. And that which remaineth over, lay up for you to be kept until the morning. Point six. Because God used manna in connection with the Sabbath, and the Sabbath was used to describe God's grace in both the earth restoration as well as mankind's personal restoration. I thought it wise to teach the doctrine of manna. Point one, manna is used in scripture both figuratively and literally. 1.1, the more important Old Testament scriptures relating to manna are Exodus chapter 16 verses 14 through 35 and Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, and Joseph chapter 5, verse 12. So Exodus 16, 14 through 16, 35. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer, about two quarts, for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told, some gathered much, some little. And then they measured it by the omer. He who gathered much did not have too much, 
and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want, what to bake, and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where he is on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come. So they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the desert when I brought you out to Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it. Then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna in front of the testimony that it might be kept. The Israelites ate manna for forty years, until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. Numbers chapter 11 verses 1 through 9. Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So that place was called Taborah the Hebrew word for burning, because fire from the Lord had burned among them. The rabble with them began to crave other food, and again the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost, also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. 
The manna was like coriander seed and looked like resin. The people went around gathering it and then ground it into a handmill or crushed it in a mortar. They cooked it in a pot or made it into cakes, and it tasted like something made with olive oil. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 16. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Joshua chapter 5 verse 12. And before I read it, I remember something back from page 1.1.1. I believe I said Joseph as the name of the book when it's actually Joshua. I beg your forgiveness for that very elementary mistake. So Joshua chapter 5 verse 12. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year they ate of the produce of Canaan. Point two. Manna was used as a teaching aid in the tabernacle and the temples. Hebrews chapter 1 Verses 1 through 4. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In its first room were the lampstead, the table, and the consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the Covenant. Point three. Now let's see how manna is used analogously in Scripture. 3.1. Manna was used to teach the importance of taking in the Word of God. Deuteronomy Chapter 8, verse 3, compared with Matthew 4.4. Verse 1, Deuteronomy 8.3. And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And then Matthew 4.4. 4. But Jesus answered and said, It is written in Deuteronomy 8.3, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 3.2. Doctrine is only provided in amounts commensurate with positive volition. First, you have to want to hear, and then the manna comes. The same with the Bible doctrine as in Christ's kingdom platform. When you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. Matthew 5, 6. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Exodus chapter 16, verse 8. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. 3.3. Doctrine also is a grace gift from God, and it can either be a source of blessing or cursing. Exodus chapter 16, verses 19 and 20. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Exodus chapter 16, verse 27. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. 3.4. The Jews of the Exodus generation grumbled at having to eat manna, and so God withheld it and made them eat quail until it came out of their nostrils. Thus, people in every age who reject doctrine, the heavenly manner, are subject to discipline. This same is true today. God will allow people to use their own volition to swallow the lies of the many scoffers who will abound in the last days. Numbers chapter 11, verses 18, 19, and 20. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow, when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will eat it. You will not cat it for just one day, or two days, or five, ten, or twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it, because you have rejected the Lord, who is among you, and have wailed before him, saying, Why did we ever leave Egypt? 3.4.1 When the Jews did not follow God's protocol, bad things happened. The same was true in the kingdom age and today. Rejecting the bread of heaven results in consequences. Exodus chapter 16, verses 19 and 20. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Exodus sixteen twenty-seven. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Matthew chapter 8, verses 10, 11, and 12. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. 
There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew chapter 23, verse 34. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. Luke chapter 7, verses 33 through 35. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and ye say, He hath a devil. The Son of Man is come eating and drinking, and ye say, Behold a gluttonous man, and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of all her children. Romans chapter 9, verses 30 through 33. What then shall we say? That the Gentiles, who did not pursue righteousness, have attained it? A righteousness that is by faith. But Israel, who pursued a law of righteousness, has not attained it. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as, as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Second Peter, verses 1-8 and 1-9. For if these things be in your, doctrine is listed in verses 1-7, through seven, and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. 3.5 Manna was designed to sustain the Israelites physically during their trek to the promised land. When they got into the land, however, the manna and meat as a direct gift ceased. Once in the land, they were expected to work for their food. Joshua chapter 5 verse 12. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year they ate of the produce of Canaan. 3.6 Manna was used to test Israel. So also today, the protocol plan for acquiring doctrine is a test for the believer. Deuteronomy 8, verse 16. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Exodus 16, verse 4. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. 3.7. There are negative believers in every age. To some of the Exodus generation, the manna was bitter, and to others it tastes like honey. 
So also today, the word of God is appreciated by some, and for others in varying degrees, the word is unappreciated and even hated. Numbers, chapter 11, verses 6. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. Verse 10. Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. Verse 11. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight? That thou layest the burden of all this people upon me. 3.9 As manna was taken for granted, so also is the word of God. In Psalm 78, Israel's rejection of manna is used in part to describe Israel's reversionism. Psalms, chapter 78, verses 12 through 31. He did miracles in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt and in the region of Zoan. He divided the sea and led them through. He made the water stand firm like a wall. He guided them with the cloud by day and with light from the fire all night. He split the rocks in the desert and gave them water as abundant as the seas. He brought streams out of a rocky crag and made water flow down the rivers. But they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the desert against the Most High. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the desert? When he struck the rock, water gushed out, and streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us food? Can he supply meat for his people? When the Lord heard them, he was very angry. His fire broke out against Jacob, and his wrath rose against Israel. For they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. Yet he gave a command to eye the skies above and open the doors of the heavens. He rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Men ate the bread of angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. He let loose the east wind from the heavens and led forth the south wind by his power. He rained meat down on them like dust flying birds like sand on the seashore. He made them come down inside their camp, all around their tents. They ate till they had more than enough, for he had given them what they craved. But before they turned from the food they craved, even while it was still in their mouths, God's anger rose against them. He put to death the sturdiest among them, cutting down the young men of Israel. Point four. The word of God today is manna from heaven. And the word tells us, it is impossible to please God if we do not believe that he is 
and that he blesses those who seek him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Point five. Like the Jews of the Exodus, subsequent generations have rejected God's heavenly food and suffered for their errors. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. Whoever loveth instruction loveth knowledge, and he that hateth reproof is brutish. Point six. The attitude of a believer toward Bible doctrine determines whether he will receive blessing or discipline in time. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 33 through 36. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoever findeth doctrine findeth life and shall obtain favor in the Lord. But he that sinneth against doctrine wrongeth his own soul. And all they that hate me love operational death and time. Point seven. Joshua Chapter 1, verse 8, says daily study of the Word of God will make the believer a unique success. In Joshua 1, 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make the way prosperous and then you shall have a good success. Point eight, doctrine, therefore, is the basis for blessing in time. Psalms chapter 23, verse six. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, for I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a beautiful verse that I really enjoy. Let's hear it again. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, for I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I just love that. Point nine. Manna was stored, says the writer of Hebrews, to remind Israel of its coming blessing when the Lord returns. Hebrews chapter nine, verses one through twenty-eight. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlestick, and the table, and the shewbread, which is called the sanctuary. After that, the second veil, the tabernacle, which is also called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer, and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid around about with gold. Wherein was the gold pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded 
and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Holy Ghost this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present and which were offered both gifts and sacrifices, that could not make him that did the service perfect, as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks, and divers, washings, and carnal ordinances, imposed upon them until the time of reformation. But Christ being come on high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered into once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon, neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats, with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, 
which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And, as it is appointed, unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Point 10. Complaining about manna brought severe discipline from God. Numbers chapter 21 verses 5 and 6. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. 10.1 So also today, there is a judgment for negative believers who reject the protocol of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastaineth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not. But if ye be without chastement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Revelations chapter 3 verses 14 through 20. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans writes, These things saith the Amen the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know my works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because they art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because you sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, 
I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Second Peter chapter 2 verses 4 through 20. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains and darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. And delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanliness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are in blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings, while they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart, they have exercise with covetous practices cursed children which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness. Those that were clean escape from them who live in terror. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge 
of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Point 10.2. Manna not gathered in accordance with God's rules spoiled. Recall manna gathered but not eaten daily had worms and stung. The exception being manna gathered on Friday. Exodus chapter 16 verses 19 through 21. And Moses said, Let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating, and when the sun waxed hot, it melted. Just as God had rules related to the acquisition of manna, so also he has rules concerning the gathering of doctrine today. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews chapter 13, 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Point 11. Manna, not collected, vanished. Just as doctrine left on the printed page cannot be used under the heat of adversity. It must be in the soul before the enemy attacks. 11.1. Doctrine must be in the soul if it is to be of value and following the colors to the high ground. And that's a good point to mention because I'm looking at a chart on the outline. You can get the outline to this one, the ones behind, and the ones coming on westbankbiblechurch.com. Go to the Old Testament. All of them are there for you. Point 12. Manna provided perfect nourishment for the body just as doctrine provides perfect spiritual nourishment for the church aid believer. 12.1. Manna, like doctrine, was customized for the needs of the Israelites. It totally satisfied hunger depending on the needs of the family. It was called the bread of angels in Psalms chapter 78 verse 25. Exodus chapter 16 verse 8. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Point 13. Manna was deposited in the ark for the training of future generations. 
Manna stored did not spoil because God preserved it. Exodus chapter 16, verse 33. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for the teaching of future generations. 13.1. The word of God, like manna, has been miraculously preserved for more than a thousand years, even through tyrants. Theologians and kings have attempted to distort and destroy it. Point 14. The last mention of manna is found in Revelations chapter 2, verse 17, where it apparently refers to all of the wonderful blessings provided to the believer in eternity future. This would certainly include a full knowledge of God and hidden manna. And it reads, Revelations chapter 2, verse 17, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Point 15, summary. 15.1. Manna comes from the Hebrew word for ba, meaning what? It is said by the Israelites when they first saw it on the ground, what is this? Manna is used analogously in the New Testament for the Christ the bread of life, and that which he taught, the bread. 15.2. For example, John in the Gospel repeatedly relates man to the bread of life, Christ and the bread provided by Christ, his teaching. John chapter 6, verses 31 through 37. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven, and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, Evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen me, and believe not. And that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Beautiful. Just a beautiful section from John. Again, that was chapter 6, verses 31 through 37. John chapter 6, verse 41 through 51. The Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? 
How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of God. He has seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread, which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. John, chapter 6, verse 58. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. 26. Summary. The creation narrative in the first three chapters of Genesis is a theological rather than a scientific account of the origin of the universe and the beginning of life on earth. 26.2. The brief and simple description engenders confidence in the God who restores order, life, and meaning where there was only darkness and chaos. Point 26.2.1. Throughout the account, every detail draws our attention to not only the sovereign majesty and glory of God, but to the entire panoply of divine attributes. 26.3. The God who made all things is the sovereign ruler of his creation. Neither man, chance, nor government controls history. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39. Know therefore today, and take it to your heart, that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. 26.4. God rules and preserves everything from microscopic particles to vast galaxies by his limitless power. The promises of God can never be abrogated by human innovations or natural catastrophes. Hebrews 1.3 The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. 26.5. The instantaneous creation of the universe reveals his essence. Man cannot hide, escape, or be isolated from a sovereign and omnipresent God. 
1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27. But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. 26.6. Absolute veracity and perfect wisdom were the standards by which God created all things. All the precepts of his word reflect the realities of life. Psalms chapter 111 verses 6 through 8. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of their nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are steadfast forever and ever, done in faithfulness and uprightness. 26.7 His incomprehensible love provided for his creatures in every conceivable way. Psalms chapter 136 verses 5 through 9 Who by his understanding made the heavens? His love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters? His love endures forever. Who made the great lights? His love endures forever. The sun to govern the day? His love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night? His law endures forever. 26.8 Divine omniscience, the unlimited intellect of God, are pieced together by the word of his power, the intricacies of the universe, and the mystery of light itself. 26.8.1 There is a rational plan to the universe and a divine basis for thought and meaning. Psalms chapter 147 verses 4 and 5 He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. 26.9. The fixed laws of the universe reflect his immutability. And just as God provided man with a perfect standard by which to live, he is the foundation for unchanging absolute truth. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4. He is the rock, his works are perfect, and all his ways are just a faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just as he. 26.1 God shared his eternal life with Adam as long as he maintained the perfect standard. Through eternal life was lost at the fall. God made it available to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. 26.11 Every believer in union with Christ receives the positional righteousness of Christ. John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned.
But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. The end of every lesson, that's what I'm talking about right there, is, is those three verses. So all you got to do is believe. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. 26.12. The testimony of the grandeur of creation is sufficient for man to recognize the essence and nature of God. Mankind cannot observe God, cannot comprehend his overwhelming power, cannot conceive of the extent of his glory. 26.13 But mankind can observe God's remarkable creation. After viewing his majestic work, rejecting the existence of the God of the universe and his Son, the creator of all substance and life, is unpardonable. 26.14 After rejecting God, it is God who gives unbelieving mankind over to all manner of unrighteousness. Romans chapter 1 verses 18 through 32 The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his, re his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done.
They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossipers, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Point twenty-six, point one, four, point one. The psalmist, many years later, described the grandeur of God and His creation. Psalms chapter one hundred four, verses one through thirty-five. Praise the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God. You are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You covered it with the deep As with a garment, the water stood above the mountains. But at your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took a flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the air nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate bringing forth food from the earth. Wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread that sustains his heart. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nest. The stork has its home in the pine trees. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuge for the conies. The moon marks off the seasons, and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night, and all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises, and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. Then man goes out to his work, to his labor until evening. How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you made them all. 
the earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and the Leviathan which you form to frolic there. These all look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, O my soul, praise the Lord. And amen. That's the end of Lesson 7, Old Testament Overview. Again, we thank you for following along. Please visit us at westbankbiblechurch.com. You can find plenty of lessons there. Continue to pray for Pastor Merritt, and be sure he's praying for you. As we close out, remember, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So long.